Hello, lovely, lovely people. Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, episode 172. And oh, we have more than one surprise today because it's an even-numbered episode. Janine was on last week. She's also on this week. Yay! Or Hello. Boo, depending on boo. your feelings towards Janine. Boo! <laughs> never boo. Excuse never me. boo. Excuse me, sir. Never boo. Yay! I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> I think I should just leave you here by yourself. <laughs> oh, what a lovely start. <laughs> to this episode um, announcements have to be made as nolan is currently unable to record for probably about a month six weeks ish so more janine on the main show yay yay, um, yay. are you sure about that you didn't sound i'm sure confident. about it <laughs> i said yay i was saying but just in who, case for the people who don't want me here you know just, exactly just let them know okay fair which enough. i actually think wouldn't be listening to this in the first place or really it was a completely nonsense thing that i even <laughs> tried to play to everybody because wow wow who wouldn't want you here janine <laughs> who, who who wouldn't want you here i would i don't think i want me here now <laughs> oh come on we're talking about such a fun movie today we are we are well we uh we had we had some fun last week didn't we in witness for the prosecution oh yes that and was a great one. Up, upholding its spoiler ban or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and not divulging the information within witness for the prosecution but we also had fun because it starred Charles Lawton. And we had a lovely discussion last week about how great Charles Lawton was as both both dramatically and comedically yes. in witness for the prosecution. This movie we're talking about today is a movie that I've wanted to do on the show for a while. And you have agreed to do it. You agreed to do it, Janine, simply because I think. Maybe maybe it's got other reasons as well, but I think it's because you've seen Charles Lawton now and you're thinking, okay, I can hang with Charles Lawton. Let's do another Charles Lawton movie and finally acknowledge the, the or, or finally accept Morgan's offer to talk about Hobson's Choice from 1954. Yes, well, I mean, after that intro, I'm kind of, regretting doing you any favors but no oh, it wasn't me it was it but, was the ghost but uh yes this was a very enjoyable film um and yeah i did really like him in uh witness for the prosecution and uh from what i surmised this was definitely going to be leaning more towards the comedy aspect even quite a bit of slapstick stuff so i was really interested and excited to see that from him as well and uh um from what you told me this kind of takes place uh uh in your stomping grounds so i it was does. really <laughs> I was it really does. curious to see uh, that world in this time as well. 
it, it's about the biggest movie you will watch that takes place the closest to where I live and grew up. Okay. I would I would say because number one, you don't get many movies set in Manchester. Anyway, certainly not that many movies that you know translate across the Atlantic. Is Manchester um, like <laughs> the Fresno of the UK? No, like, it, it's, like it's a big it gets, city. <laughs> well, I'm just saying in the fact that like Fresno gets mentioned a lot in movies, but there are no movies that take place there. <laughs> I wouldn't even say Manchester gets mentioned a lot in movies. You know full well, Janine, that when movies go to Britain, they go to London. Exactly. I can think of one movie where they actually mentioned Manchester. So then that got what me. What was this about... <laughs> movie apart from apart from Hobson's Choice? Uh, it's this movie called Shirley Valentine about this lady who's like ne been neglected by her husband, so she just takes a, a vacation to Greece by herself, and she meets this really annoying couple um, named Jeanette and Dougie from Manchester. And she says it like that. Okay. <laughs> This sounds like it's probably going to be a little bit stereotypical. On so yes, then that poor mank people. Uh, just you saying that, yeah, not a lot of uh, movies take place there. I was like, I wonder if Manchester is kind of the Fresno of movies, of places that you know you mentioned in movies, because Fresno is mentioned quite a bit in several movies, but there's no, there's never a movie that takes place in Fresno. I can think of one movie actually that. Says it takes place in Fresno, but I don't even know if it's actually was filmed in Fresno. It definitely wasn't filmed in Fresno, whatever <laughs> this movie may be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would probably say, because Hobson's Choice, it's specifically set in Salford, which is a city within Greater Manchester, um, but obviously at the time of this movie's setting, Salford was a town within Manchester. Okay. Now it's its own city within Greater Manchester, the county. Okay. Um, so, so it's the same. It's in the same place. It's the same area. Um, you, Janine, specifically have in fact been to Salford. Yes. <laughs> um, when you came over and visited. Yes. This has been an area you have walked. So that, that was. I thought that was quite a nice thing. As yes, well. that is so cool. But also, I've, I, I, I was just excited to talk about this because it is kind of the biggest name movie. It's a very, very well-revered movie. It's a David Lean movie. Everybody knows David Lean as a name. Maybe you know David Lean more from a Lawrence of Arabia or a Bridge on the River Kwai as opposed to smaller, intimate, black-and-white British movies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not to say that Bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia aren't necessarily British movies. To an extent, they are. But they're certainly big, grand, spectacle Hollywood movies. Yeah. Or at least they feel like that. This, Hobson's Choice, doesn't feel remotely like a big, grand Hollywood spectacle movie. No, not at all. Despite the fact that you know, this is 1954 when this was made. It was only three years before Bridge on the River Kwai um, in, in David Lean's filmography. But I really like David Lean. I, I recently bought a David Lean collection of which this was in. 
So I've, I'm kind of, I'm into that kind of vibe at the minute. Yeah. And I, I really, I really, I really do like this movie. I, w- I was much more excited to actually talk about it being the fact that it's set in, in, in Salford and I, well, I went to university in Salford. <laughs> you know, I, I lived yeah. in Salford for three years. I have always lived 15 minute drive away from Salford. <laughs> in fact, less than that, less than that even. Technically, I live about a five minute drive from the border of Salford. <laughs> but the area where this movie's set, probably about a 15 minute drive. So it's really close to here. Yes. Where I currently am right now. Which is obviously why I was very excited because people talk in this movie, Janine, like people talk round here. Like I talk sometimes when I'm with people from around here because I have that weird where I change my voice depending on who I'm speaking <laughs> to situation. Um and yes, I use and I'm dialect to see in why. certain ways. <laughs> You're because I to mean... see why, yes. Well, because like you always tell me that you speak a little bit differently when you talk to me because you don't think I'll understand you. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's true. And then, <laughs> then I you watch this Hobson's movie. Choice. And they're talking, um, they're using a lot of terminology that I'm just like, wait, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. My, I mean, my favorite. They're talking about giraffes and humps. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, like he's got the ump. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. that just means he's a bit. I don't know, grumpy. I guess if he's got the hump, and then something about a giraffe, and I was just very. I don't confused. think I caught the giraffe on him, <laughs> but um, I know. I really, I, I want to get, I want to delve into this movie because it's not, it's not necessarily the biggest kind of huge scale deep movie ever but it's a really really genuine movie a really really kind of sweet movie in subtle ways but a very very british movie in its sensibilities and in its almost in its relationship towards relationships it's a very very british movie um i I, want to get into that i know we have to do one important thing first jenny we do what is that we have to say a huge thank you to the patrons of it's a wonderful podcast yes because every week on an episode on the it's a wonderful podcast feed we give a huge big lovely thank thank you and shout out to all the wonderful patrons of it's a wonderful podcast if you would like to join us on patreon just go to patreon and type in it's a wonderful podcast or patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one find the tier that's right for you join us over there if you're feeling particularly generous we would love you forever much like we love and want to say a big thank you to maxwell Haddad, and thank you to amber coates and thank you to abby freel thank you ferris muthana Thank you to Janine's brother, Justin, 90s Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Adelaide. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan McCurley, a.k.a. Dr. Megs. Thank you to Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fenobi Steve. Thank you to Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. 
Thank you, Calafis. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you, GG. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to our good friends Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yay! Friends, none of them would be able to understand the accent of true Solfordians, <laughs> Janine. <laughs> I, not that, I, not I, that I am in fact a, a, a Solfordian. I have a slightly different accent naturally, too, because I'm I'm technically from Bolton, so I speak naturally with a Bolton accent, or, or more of a Bolton accent. I suppose it's probably a bit of a mix of Bolton and Salford. Okay. Um, because I spent a lot of time with people who were from Salford, who lived in Salford. There are some quotes and kind of colloquialisms in that appear in this movie that I've only ever heard my 92-year-old nanny say, <laughs> who has lived in Salford for over 70 years. So it, it's that it's got that kind of almost home feeling to me, this movie, despite the fact that it's set in victorian times i think it's like the 1880s when it's set okay. but it i guess the way people speak of the way people are not all the people but certainly i'd say some of the some of the more harder women in this movie and the softer men particularly the main kind of relationship between Maggie and Will Mossop in this movie is a kind of relationship I am familiar with seeing. This kind of hard, straight-talking woman from around here. I would say mank woman, but, you know, somebody from Manchester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the kind of slightly softer kind-hearted man i see that as a very very similar relationship to my actual great-grandparents okay to what so they had dynamic felt very familiar to you <laughs> very very familiar so i really like that it, it in that way this movie feels very warm to me okay. i don't know if it necessarily i don't know if you get that warmth necessarily but you know, looking in from very much the outside. 1880s Salford couldn't be further from California. So, <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely got the warmth from this film. Um, you know, the Maggie character definitely could be written off as very hard and tough. Um, but ultimately, you do see um, her, she is driven by her emotions for the most part like is. um you know you kind of think maybe her motives are very self-serving and uh kind of spiteful um but once you kind of go through this journey you do kind of realize that no she is kind of uh doing the things that she's doing from her heart and from an emotional place so yeah uh, it, it's the front the yes. front of being straight talk which is is kind of very familiar because everybody yes. has their emotions, but people like to sometimes put a hard front on, don't they? Yes. Um, 
And like I said, that's something that I am familiar with being from around here. Because this kind of, some of the ways of being, I suppose, haven't changed. Um, obviously, a hell of a lot's changed. The accent has changed and slowly dwindles out as all accents tend to with mass kind of cultural mixing, I yeah. suppose. And, you know, a globalization to it, to it to use a big picture term, um, accents kind of die away. But I think it's nice to keep wanting to to embrace our natural accents and the accents of where we are from. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I, I enjoy talking in my more natural accent when I'm, uh, you know, with people from here. There is a certain word in this movie that is in this movie all the time uh, that I say a lot when I'm trying to say, and it's t'other, which means the other, but you just say t'other, as in I'm going t'other one. I'm going okay. to the other one. Okay. I, I use t'other all the time. Now I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. <laughs> you won't have done because I won't yes, use exactly. it because you wouldn't understand what I'm saying. I do I, I, I do this speech thing out of kind of, I hope you, the person I'm speaking to, feels more comfortable if I'm speaking like this rather than coming, you know, coming at you, throwing all my kind of weird dialect, weird natural dialect things. And contractions are obviously a big one around where I live, just maddeningly contracting words and sentences down to two, three syllables <laughs> um, that would only make sense. Well, had you been to... talking to me like this for all of the time that I've known you, I mean, I probably would have been understanding you perfectly well right now. Possibly, <laughs> but do you ever not understand me? That would be my argument. Do you ever not understand what I'm saying? No, I think I, I pretty much always understand you for the most part. There you go. And I think that's good because not every bond, not everyone does. Not every, not everyone that I've met who is an American understands me all the time. <laughs> so. I've got that going for me, I suppose. <laughs> I'll stop trying to make this movie too personal to me. No, that's... Or that's, should I? You should. Most movies we discuss on any show, I think, are kind of more in my wheelhouse. There's a whole show where there's movies in my wheelhouse that aren't in yours. And I talk about what those movies mean to me and why I want to share them with you. So you have that opportunity right here. So take full advantage. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's I. I just I, I do like as well. There are certain locations in this movie that I very much recognize. That I have walked past. There's a whole scene in the park. I literally used to live overlooking that park. See, that's um, really cool. So, and this isn't like. Central Park in New York that's a really famous park. Yeah. You know, this is Peel Park in Salford that nobody outside of Salford or Manchester has ever heard of. 
you know, this is a very specific place that I I I, I just love that this very very good, very very highly revered movie, um, starring really great really great british actors directed by one of the biggest british directors in movie history david lean is set where it's set and i know it comes from a play ori originally i know that but it still had to be adapted by these people yeah you know, it still wanted to be adapted by these people um and I know we haven't actually talked about Charles Lawton much yet, who is actually the title character. And I suppose if you don't know what Hobson's choice is, all you know right now is that it's set in Salford and that pleases me very much. And that Charles so, Lawton is in it. <laughs> and that Charles Lawton is in it. Janine, what is this movie about? Um, so it is about this uh, shoemaker shop owner named Olbson. <laughs> Henry Hobson. Yes, and his three drop daughters. Drop the H's, drop the H's. <laughs> yes, and his three daughters. Um, two of them are fairly young, and um, the other one is uh, said to be past her prime at a, a grand old 30 years old. A grand old age of 30, <laughs> yes. Yes. But what, what do they say? They definitely call a past, past marrying age and a little bit ripe. I yes. think is also a phrase that's used. Yes. It's, so, it's horrible. Yes. So um, Hobson, he does, he's a bit of an alcoholic. He gets drunk all the time. Just a little and, bit. Yes. And he does get some frustration at his three daughters kind of ruling him and trying to run him a little bit, particularly Maggie. Um, Maggie does take a lot of charge of the business side of the, of their shop and runs a lot of things and gets things done. The other two daughters are just kind of, you know, faffing about and doing their own kind of thing. <laughs> um, They're helping. And, yes. <laughs> but Maggie, as the oldest, is kind of running things. So yes. um, Maggie is played by uh, Brenda DeBanzi, by the yes. way. Um, so uh, Maggie does seem to be kind of very hard, a little bit cold, um, very serious as the other two are like all kind of giddy about, ooh, you know, courting these men and all, you know, dating and, you know, wanting to get married and all of these things. And Not Maggie that is... <laughs> Charles Lawton is obviously very excited about this prospect. No. Um, and Maggie is single and, you know, just kind of focused on running the business and uh, no one really pays attention to kind of her future and her dreams because she is just seen as past her prime. Um, so Hobson gets to a point where he does decide he wants to marry off his younger daughters, but he wants to choose who they're with. And there's no talk of like Maggie in the situation. She, she kind of questions her father. Well, um, you know, how come you're not talking about marrying me off? And he's like, oh, you're a little too old. You're going to stay here and run the shop with me. Take your mother's place as kind of the person running the household and running the home and this and that. <laughs> She she Did doesn't you, you you explained you explained Hobson's uh, retaliation there in a very nice way. I think what he actually does is laughs in her face and tells her what she's doing. Yes, he does. He he, he is very um, obviously not not too kind 
when she when she does question, well, how come you don't want to marry me, our father? Yes, he does laugh at her. Um, and she doesn't take too kindly to this. She has she does have her Certainly own not. dreams. She does have her own dreams and things she wants to do in her life. She does see that she uh, wants to get married and and have a future like her sisters. And um, for her father to write her off in this way just kind of gives her the drive to make it happen at that moment. You know, she was kind of going to do it in her own time, but then kind of coming to this realization that no one thinks she is worthy of that kind of life. I think that's what gives her the push and drive to make that happen. So that's kind of where yeah. the story kicks off. Um, yeah, it's a, a big big time standing up to your kind of overbearing parent yes and also kind of just trying to overcome these societal um kind of brands that are put on you yeah yeah well which is exactly what hobson what charles lawton kind of lives his life by these kind of old traditional ways and thoughts and beliefs doesn't he yeah because he, he's and he goes to the pub every night with his friends his gaggle of horrifically overweight friends um well not all of them i mean charles lawton bless his heart was not a thin man <laughs> no you know and neither were some of his friends in in this movie but that it, it it i think as i said it in witness for the prosecution presence wise on screen he is both physically and acting wise vocally intimidating yes but also like a this big personality yeah. you get that in this movie as well because he is obviously a, a bigger person but he's obviously got a lot of clout in the community you know he's a hugely successful business owner yeah in salford with this boot shop um so he he, he goes to the pub and he has discussions with all of his fancy friends and they have arguments and talk about business and things like that but also laugh at people wanting to do things that they don't think is correct yes they do have a good laugh at maggie you know thinking she can find a husband and kind of go off on her own and he's just kind of has it settled in her mind that she's going to stay there and run his business and just be his you know devoted daughter who stays at home yeah. together to go off with husbands that he chooses yeah <laughs> he, so while they the two girls are kind of secretly courting you know, being courted by two gentlemen in town. Uh, I think one is and, a lawyer and one is another business owner. Yeah, they, well. they end up being two gentlemen that Hobson doesn't necessarily have the fondest <laughs> of relationships with. Yeah. Which is, it makes makes it even more hilarious because this is a, it's a comedy drama, really, this movie. It's a, it's a, it's a what would you call it? Comedy romance drama? Yeah, a, I think so. It's a hybrid. It's yeah. certainly got a lot of comedy in there. Yes, most of it. Most of it comes from Charles Lawton generally being perceived as the fool 
in the whole movie and making himself look like an idiot or getting himself in a huff and a puff when people are trying to tell him, no, we're not doing it your weird way that we don't like anymore. Yes. We're doing it this way now. He does get tricked a few times. He does get, you know, he, he is drunk. So there are scenes of him kind of doing some slapsticky drunken things. Um. Which is really quite good. I, I, I really enjoy those couple yes. of scenes you get of him just plodding around the the street acting like the most cartoonishly drunk person you've ever seen yes um uh it so, fits really well <laughs> yeah so to um get into the story maggie is kind of driven now to put her her dream into action uh you know i think she was going to give it a uh, um, give it some time and wait it out. But, you know, once her father kind of puts this on her, his true thoughts of what her future holds, she's like, no. And like, I think in that moment, you gain so much respect for this character that even though she does kind of come off as very serious and cold, uh, you're in there with her because, you know, you, yeah. you, you don't, and, and like me as a woman watching it, I definitely have so much respect for her uh, as somebody who's not going to let society tell her, her father tell her, you know, who she is and what she can do in her life and um, that her dreams aren't valid. So I, I, I love the initiative she takes in that moment to kind of make her dream happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good thing about this movie. I mean, when you look, when you almost look at it from the outside of it's Charles Lawton playing a overbearing kind of shouty tyrant of a father to these girls. It can seem very much like a old ways kind of movie or old ways kind of production, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Where you would be looking at Charles Lawton as the character we are to believe is correct, which yeah. couldn't be further from what this movie is trying to tell you. Exactly. It's constantly like Charles Lawton, you being an idiot, look at all these other people happy and you're just getting in a huff and puff about everything for no real reason. It's yeah. funny. I'm laughing at you, Charles Lawton. You're doing a great <laughs> job, yes, but definitely. you're making yourself look like a moron. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, one of their workers in the shop who makes the shoes, he is very talented. Uh, we kind of get a glimpse of this when a older kind of high class customer comes in. Uh, and questions, you know, who made this pair of boots that I bought here? Um, who made them? And she's asking everyone in the shop who made them. And turns out it is uh, uh, the shoemaker in the shop, Willie. He's just very kind of a simple-minded man. He, he's, he doesn't really know how to read or write well. He just kind of knows how to do what he does when he's making these shoes. And he's very yeah. skilled at it. But, you know, he has no bigger ambitions. He... Um, doesn't really know much else outside of just making shoes. He's a very simple man. And the woman yeah. comes and compliments him and tells him, you know, you're the only one allowed to make my shoes. If you move anywhere else, if you leave this shop, you know, here's my card. You need to let me know so that I can go to you because you're the only person I want to make my shoes. So we do find out and, you know, see that Willie is a very talented shoemaker. He's probably the most talented in the shop, <clears throat> maybe even in the town. And... Well, yeah, that that's the whole thing, isn't he? That he, th this woman who comes in, is not someone who would usually necessarily frequent 
boot shops in Salford, she would go to a fancier store in Manchester, in the centre yeah. of Manchester. Um, and the fact that, you know, Will Mossop has made the best pair of boots she's ever had in this smaller shop, successful but smaller shop, means a, a kind of it's significant. It's very, very significant. Yes, and the fact that she would take the time to go down there and thank a worker, a working class person, as a, this very high society type woman, to go and actually thank a serviceman. Yeah. Um, Which obviously kind Charles of a Lawton is a little bit like, why is, she, why is she speaking to him down there? Yeah. Talking like that. Yeah, he doesn't like that. So um, that kind of sets Maggie's idea in motion. Uh, so she does call uh, Willie up to talk to him. And she kind of gives him this proposition that, you know, you make the best shoes. Um, I think we should get married. We should court. We should leave here and start our own shoe business. Um, you know, I have the business mind. You have the skill. Um, and I love... And it would annoy my dad. And yes, it would definitely <laughs> get back at her father. Um, I think you'll do as a suitable match for me. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, I what I love about the situation is that while she is kind of the business mind of it, that she's kind of the one putting this in motion and putting it in charge, she is so confident in what Willie could be and what he ha has now with his amazing skill at making shoes that she is very confident in making him, you know, the star of the situation. She is, you know putting all her faith and confidence in him. If it's his, if it's a business that they're running together, she's willing to put only his name on the marquee and um, making him kind of uh, the soul of this whole kind of, of business and putting all her stock into him. So I appreciate that, that even though it's kind of this 50, 50 partnership, she's still kind of sh showing him his worth and what he means to her uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, what he can do. And this is where the romance of the movie develops, because you might think that at the start is simply like, let's get married for convenience. Yes, and also and for to stick it the to my business. dad. <laughs> Let, let's get yeah, let's get married to annoy Charles Lawton, and because we'd make a really good business. But once you spend time with each other, or once they spend time with each other, once we spend time with them they become genuinely more and more in love with each other. Yes. And I think there and... are some feelings on Maggie's end. She does, you know, find him attractive and she does think he's a good match. And she, you know, uh, I think is attracted to uh, his skill and what he can do. And yeah. she, she sees the potential in him. So I think all of that already attracts her to him, but he was just completely oblivious to any kind of thought like this in the first place. So he's not even thinking about that. And he's so simple that he never saw anything more for himself than just working in the shop his whole life. So um, the fact that I think somebody seeing that potential in him is what slowly, gradually, you know, makes him more fond of Maggie as the story goes along. And this is a dynamic that I've already said is kind of feels familiar to me, yeah. even potentially within my own family. Now, I'm not going to, I wasn't, you know, I, I am this age I am, 
I have not been alive for anywhere near as long as the older generations in my family, obviously. So I don't necessarily know the details of how that sort of stuff started. But from my observations, from my memories, from what I can gather, this is a dynamic that, like I said, towards the start of the show, feels very close to me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it, it feels very familiar to me. With, yeah, because because Willie is, Willie doesn't realise anything. No. Really, <laughs> um, until he's explicitly told. Yeah. <laughs> which is something, this is what, you see this dynamic a lot because it's always a fun dynamic to have, which is the kind of good-hearted, softer guy and the almost... I don't I don't know what the right word is to to say it's kind kind of a forthcoming that's not the right word what am I trying to say Janine I'm Very, trying to say you know forward confident um kind of in yeah. charge um, in charge I suppose the the in charge woman of the situation because it's in that way it's tradition flipped yes which is always a an interesting dynamic to me anyway especially when you put that flip tradition in a traditional context yeah that this movie is and a yeah. traditional setting that this movie is when you have that flip in there it feels even more interesting like i said it's also it also feels very true to life i myself am a i'm a rather softer man when it comes to that kind of thing <laughs> yeah uh so it feels kind of familiar to me in, in that way. But like I said, also with potentially even my own family going, you know, down, going up a few generations. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I really, really liked that. But like you said, this isn't Maggie being, I'm just going to shout and shout and shout and, you know, dominate over people. This is Maggie with a really good heart. She just realizes that she's gonna be the she's gonna have to be the one to be like this. Yes, and she does kind of put put it forth to him very very straightly, very seriously, like it is a kind of a business plan. Like yeah. you don't really see the emotion behind, you know, what she's telling him at first. She's she kind of breaks it down to him very kind of seriously. Like, this is what we're going to do. So we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to get married. We're going to start this business. Like she tells him very straightforward, like the way she kind of puts the whole idea forward to him. She keeps it very simple because I think she is knows who she's kind of working with someone. Who, well, yeah, that's the thing as well. It is very simple. So she kind of, he, she kind of kind sells of it to him as a business proposition. Um, and then the emotion kind of comes later, but the way she kind of delivers the, the, proposition is very kind of straightforward and very businessy and serious i I love even like not even that but some of the early romance scenes between them are delivered by maggie in this very business-like way yes it's like okay willie now kiss me yes come on kiss me now (laughs) come on i'm ready and he's like what here in the street i'm not doing it i can't do it he gets flustered yes he gets flustered with himself and she's like, no, stop being a moron. Come on, do it. Yeah. Get on with it. Doesn't call him a moron, obviously. No. That's not a word that's used in Salford, but you know what I mean. Yes. 
this. Um, um, and, you know, when after they kind of, she gets them on board with this plan, she does kind of say, you know, we, people do need to see us courting. So let's meet yeah. up at the park. And that's where we do get the scene and the part that you did describe. Um, <clears throat> and as they sit and talk about the plan, he does kind of admit to her, well, you know, if we're to be married, like, I don't love you. I And I'm kind of, you know, promised to somebody else. And she's like, who are you promised to? Um, the daughter of the woman who, you know, he he rents a room from. Yeah. Uh, he's just this very simple girl. And, you know, I we're, we're promised to each other in this whole thing. So she's like, oh, no, that that won't do. <laughs> like, <laughs> and fr frankly, Janine, I think the only re I think the only way of describing this is Maggie storms to this lady's house yes so he with tells eyes her this of, with a face of thunder <laughs> yes and she's like oh no that will not do at all no we're this not doing this we're doing our plan Let, let's figure this out we need to fix this right away so then they go i love, they I go love to this boarding I, I, house and i adore maggie in this she's just so we're getting it done and we're getting it done i don't care what stands in the way we're getting it done yes so she does inform this woman that, no, you are no longer promised to Willie. He is mine now, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, the mother is not very happy because she, she you know, no, because she wants her daughter to marry this man. Um, you know, it's a chance for her daughter to have a future and these things. And, you know, she is not having this woman come and, and, and take their little plan away. So um, I love how in that scene as well, that, that at this point, Willie's still like, you know, he, he's quite nervous about Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's like to these, to these original suitor, to this original suitor and her mother. Yeah. He's saying things like, she's, she's going to take me away from you. Unless <laughs> you're, if you know, if you're not careful. <laughs> yes. But um, that ain't going to stop Maggie. Maggie does no, it anyway. No. Maggie does what Maggie wants to do. So she does send Willie outside as she kind of handles this business in this situation. And she's kind of arguing with the daughter and telling her what's going to be. And it's going to be this. It's going to be that. And Willie is listening outside. And this was a scene that I absolutely was not expecting. And I actually really enjoyed uh, the comedy of this moment. So Willie is listening outside the window and he's hearing Maggie talk about him. And this is kind of where the emotion comes in. All of this felt very kind of like a cold kind of business plan. Uh, Maggie, yeah. you know, that you do feel like Maggie maybe has a slight attraction to Willie, but she's mostly kind of just doing this to stick it to her dad. Like we said, to, you yeah. know, stick it to society to build a future for herself and it's all business. But then you actually hear how she talks about Willie in this moment when he's outside, he hears her and, through the and window. Willie hears it as well. Willie yes. realizes Willie that there's hears, more to this. Yeah. So Willie is outside listening as she's kind of arguing for her point to take him and marry him and build this whole business with him is that, you know, he is the most gifted boot maker in the city. He is, he is, you know, he has so much potential. He could be amazing things. He can do amazing things. And I believe in him. And that's why I want to build this future with him. And so he's hearing her see more for him than he's seen for himself. And uh, the fact that she's talking about him in this way um, just makes him feel good. And you hear, you see him gradually smile as he hears these things she's saying about him. And the music just swells in this big romantic kind of thing. And then like, 
you think something's as the smile grows on his face, as the music swells to like its heights, then like you just see Willie get slapped in the face. The music stops and the big old fat mother of this daughter is starts like beating him and yelling at him. And I was just so surprised to see a scene like that in a movie, like an older film, because that's something you see quite a bit in, you know, newer movies where, you know, somebody's like, the music is swelling and it's this big romantic moment and then something snaps them out of it and it gets very silly. Uh, The music like immediately cuts off and then the whole moment, something silly happens and cuts off that whole kind of reverie that's happening. Uh, So to see it in this movie was just very funny that Willie's just like getting excited and the music's building and growing and he gets this smile on his face and then like a big old fat lady just slaps him in the face and starts yelling at him and beating him. It's just... (laughs) It was just very funny to me. <laughs> it was very funny. It was very funny. I don't know. Because like you said, that that sort of technique is very common these days. I don't necessarily, I don't know enough about that sort of editing style, editing technique, as it were, to to know when something like that originated. But I certainly understand what you're saying is that it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it should be in a movie like this, but you love no. the fact that it is. <laughs> yes. And like, it does feel like something inherent to like, uh, you know, American rom-coms and things like that. So when you see it in, so. um, in a very deeply uh, British film uh, of this time from the fifties, it, it just was a nice little surprise <laughs> just to see yeah. kind, of, kind of this silly like movie trope that you see kind of everywhere today kind of happen here in an older film. So it was just a really funny moment that I really liked, but also kind of a great um, emotional beat to kind of show uh, Maggie's true kind of feelings and yeah. motive. And the fact that, you know, while, you know, Willie is a simple man who doesn't really know much, you know, she really does believe in him. And it's not, it's more than just a kind of stick it to your dad plan. It is really, you know, I believe in this person and I want to see him, you know, live up to his greatest potential. I want him to see what he doesn't see in himself. Yeah. Um, And you really see that from her. So you do see that the motion is driving uh, this whole kind of plan that she has for her future. Yeah. And this is the... It's a big it's a turning point scene in the movie. It's where a hell of a lot of the movie's warmth comes in. Yes. And then it just kind of, the warmth just stays with you then. Yes. <laughs> Even when, you know, Charles Lawton comes back into the fray and starts acting all huffy and puffy again. And, you know, even he gets into scrapes with the law and trespassing. That is all... But that is all part of Maggie's ultimate plan as well. Oh, that's oh, there's, yes. There's 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 reve- there's revelations. Yes. There's there's a bit of a trick going on to be you know playing against Charles Lawton. But yes. I do, I do love that turning point scene where where Willie discovers really that Maggie's doing. Maggie actually really does care for him. And the joy on his face when he he does realize that because he kind of does really care for her as well at that point because he just needed somebody to believe Believe in him. him. And don't we all need somebody to believe in us, Janine? We do. I love that. I love that. And it's what I said at the start about this being a very, very British movie in its kind of sensibilities. The fact that 
such a significant moment like that is played quite matter-of-factly and yes. quite kind of subtly. Yes. Um, and it's just like, this is the case. I'm, I'm, you know, I have faith in this man, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just played matter-of-factly, straightforwardly, rather than being a Hollywood wild romantic scene. Yes. That it could have been, but it's somebody hearing somebody else talking off camera. Yes. And it's and just he, the re the reaction to that. Yes, and hearing somebody, you know, say these things about you that you, you know, didn't really think of yourself um in that way. Somebody seeing this potential in you that you never even saw in yourself, I think that yeah. does something to you. So, yeah, I love the build of kind of their relationship and their romance. Um I also think that in itself is a very British thing. Needing somebody else to tell you how good you are because you'd not because you don't have the confidence to do it yourself or you don't have the confidence to think to, that yourself yeah or see that in yourself but to be to be general to be stereotypical that's a significant difference between an american and a british person <laughs> is that an american person I, to be general or to be stereotypical an american person thinks the world of themselves to be stereotypical you know think yeah. my country is the best i can do whatever i want that kind of stuff yes um i have all this freedom i can be president if i want to and all that business yeah yes <laughs> that, that's a, a stereotype but it's a it's kind of a, a traditional belief almost isn't it yeah this uh kind of inherent confidence that's just yeah, kind of. which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, to a point, obviously, much <laughs> like you know the traditional British kind of. Well, I'm just gonna have to do what I'm gonna have to do. I can't go anywhere else. I'm not really very good. <laughs> it's also uh, a, a, a good thing to have. You know, being yeah. reserved about oneself, not being overconfident, is a good thing to have to a point. Yes. <laughs> because you you need a mix of both. Yes. Not too kind of arrogant overconfidence, but not too like, you know, low opinion yeah. of yourself as well. And I think I think that's where obviously it's a British movie, but it's where it's Britishisms. Yeah, so that's kind of where Willie sits. <laughs> that's kind of where Willie sits until, you know, Maggie shows him more of what he could be. Yeah. So at this point now, you know, they go to the woman who did you know the kind of high society woman who complimented willie on his work and said you know i will follow you wherever you go um they do get a loan from her uh because yeah. you know she does love what willie does you know with his sh making his shoes and so she does uh give them the money alone to start their own business so they buy a little basement that they can use as their workshop and their home um yeah. And they start putting it together, building it, you know, Maggie furnishes it and, you know, they get people to work on it and fix it up and get tools and everything they need to start this whole plan. Um, so they've and, got their home going on now. They're, yes. they're married. They, they, they get that kind of nice. I mean, I suppose it's the kind, it, again, it's kind of the most reserved wedding scene you're ever going to see because you don't see the wedding you just see them outside of the church. And at this point, the two sisters 
the two other sisters are with them as well, with their suitors. Yes. Um, and, it's, and again, Maggie's kind of running the show as being like, right, come on, let's get it done. But even before the, the ring, wedding, there's the ring. <laughs> even before the wedding as well, um, uh, she goes to her sisters and brings the invitation, and she's like, you know, I'm not getting married with all my sisters there, so make sure you're there, and you know, um, even leaves even leaves <laughs> an invitation for Charles Holt. Yes, and uh, she's like, oh, look in that drawer over there. There are some brass rings. I'll, I will buy one from you. You know, she's <laughs> not expecting yeah. any kind of free business from her family business. Um, you know, I'm going to use this ring for my wedding, so just make sure you're there, and you can give father this invitation, and uh, you know, just very kind of straightforward about it. And the sisters are kind of like a little bit, you know, because now they're stuck kind of running this business when she was the one in charge, and um, yeah. they've kind of she's kind of left them holding the bag, and they're a little bit frustrated about that. And you know, Charles Lawton is you know very frustrated with this situation in general, so he kind of takes that on on them as well. Um, there is a bit of a funny scene with the daughter and like the foreman of the shoe workers kind of asking her, well, what do you want me to do? And she doesn't know how to like give him instructions or tell him what to do. And like, he just gets very sassy with her. He's like, you know, she's like, well, just do what you always do. He's like, well, I'll, I do what you tell me to do. Like, you're the, what kind of foreman are you? If you can't just get to work, it's like, I'm a foreman who can get to work when you tell me what work you want me to do. And it's this whole kind of back and forth, just showing how incompetent these sisters are and how much Maggie was kind of the one running the show. And they just uh, were kind of there helping out. Um, That's a bit of past <laughs> trivia about one of the sisters though. Um, is that Vicky, the youngest sister, is played by Prunella Scales, who is uh, who is Sybil Faulty in Faulty Towers. Oh, okay. Which I've seen you a know, few episodes of, yes. Mm. So, they're, they're a young young Prunella Scales. Okay. Is in. Okay. She's also the only cast member of this movie who is still alive. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very young Prunella Scales is in Hobson's Choice. Yes. Um, so the uh, day of the wedding, uh, in the night before, Charles Lawton does get extremely drunk. And this is where we get the very big kind of slapsticky moment of him kind of just wandering drunkly through the town. And yeah, he ends like he up follows the moon at one point. Yes, and he's having hallucinations. And he um, falls into the cellar of... Uh, the business like a rival of, business yes and it, the the owner of that business happens to be one of the men who's like kind of secretly courting yes. one of his daughters um so that man does go to maggie and tells her hey i found your father in my cellar um he's passed he's out of sleep he's, he's drunk what are we going to do about this and she's like you know what i think i can figure out a way that uh just leave him there leave him alone i have a plan uh that will help you know you get, you know, married with my sister and yeah, it will help it, us all. It'll help us all. So she, so the day of the wedding, Maggie does tell her sisters, you know, you need to treat Willie, you know, like he is your brother-in-law. Um, you need to respect him as my husband. And uh, I'm, I have this plan to make it work out for all of us. And again, Willie's just stood there being all like, okay, whatever. Okay, what is say. happening? <laughs> so the two other couples go inside for the wedding and she has this talk with Willie and she tells him, you know, church is something that is important to me. I do take that seriously. So when we stand up there and he, and he asks you if you love me, is that going to be true? And he said, of course, it's going to be true. I've, I've grown very fond of you, Maggie. Um, 
I am in this with you. And it is a, a moment where he does kind of reveal finally that, you know, he's grown in love with Maggie and, and again, he is all in with her. That scene, that quote, you, you don't get that in Hollywood. Yeah. Do you not get that in, in Hollywood? That scene plays. I love you, Maggie. Big music kiss. It's so That's dramatic. But Willie is literally this, like, I've get... grown very fond I've, of you, Maggie. Yeah, I've grown quite <laughs> fond of you, Maggie. Come on. <laughs> That's and she it. just has a very sweet smile because she kind of knows where the situation started and to have it grow into at least this fondness and this respect for each other, uh, you know, is, is a good place for her to be considering how this whole situation started. I think uh, the progression feels very real, um, more real than um, any kind of other romantic kind of gesture you see in movies like this. It would be a, an immediate, yes, sweeping I love you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That is this movie's, as a romance movie, that is its absolute high point, is the incredible natural feeling of this relationship developing between Maggie and Willie. Yes. Um, and it's John Mills, by the way, who plays Willie, who's just excellent. He's really great, yes. He, I um, mean, he is a prolific, prolific actor. But he's he's really good in this. He's, really he's in a lot of, day, lot of David Lee and, movies. Yes, and you do see kind of a very strong arc and growth with him by the end of the movie, which is was really well performed. You do, you do. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they rub off on each other a little bit, don't they? Yes, him he. You know, she 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 definitely put, instills a lot of confidence into him. Um, like even well, he uh, he helped her kind of be more. You know, let the guard down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and be more soft and, um, you know, you see her sweeter side with him, uh, I think. and Such uh, a good balance. Yeah, they're definitely a great complement to each other. And even when uh, they do kind of go back to their little home and have a nice little wedding dinner, um, uh, at the end when everybody leaves and Hobson's about to come, uh, because he does get after this whole, um, you know, falling into the basement. Uh, part of Maggie's plan is to um, have him be served with trespassing. She tells yeah. uh, her sister's uh, suitor who owns that business to serve him with trespassing. And um, it just so, so happens he, that the, the third sister's suitor is a lawyer. Is a lawyer. So he does go to Maggie's to uh, get legal advice on what he should do about the situation. And before he comes over, you know, she has Willie sitting there very serious and tells him, now remember, you are in charge of this household. Like she tells, she has to tell Willie that like he is the head of this household and here in this home, you are in charge. And I like that she kind of reminds him of that and yeah, and he's tries, nervous about yeah, that. Yeah, he's a nervous of Hobson coming over and all of that. So I, I like that she obviously loves that. I obviously also love the the wedding dinner speech that we yes. which is the most painfully rehearsed nonsense <laughs> you've ever seen. And he in mixes your it up, life. and he admits that he mixes it up in the middle of the speech. It is very rehearsed, and he like thanks his guests, and she's you know because. You know, Maggie Thank knows. Thank you okay, so much for coming to, to our home my and wedding dinner. This is so wonderful for Maggie and I on, our, on this special day. 
Thank you. <laughs> yes. it's, it's ridiculous. But Maggie knows that, like, in, you know, the, those kinds of roles, he is the one who's supposed to stand up and give this speech. Yeah. So, you know, she does give him that moment. And she does, you know, while he is nervous about a lot of things, she does kind of instill in him the confidence that he can do those things, that he can take on this role of a husband and the man of this household. And I, I appreciate that she kind of puts that on to him and he, you know, gradually starts believing that. Um, yeah. So... To get back to Maggie's sneaky plan with her dad, he does come over. He asks her for legal advice. She tells him, oh, well, you know, I think it would be smarter. You know, uh, this man, the, the the other sister's suitor, he could be your lawyer if you just pay him, pay him out and settle it out of court. Um, that will solve your problem. You won't have a big scandal. Nobody will have to know about this. So he pays out reluctantly $500 to, to you know, squash this problem. And then the $500 ends up being the settlements that are are being paid to these men to end up going forward to marry his daughters, which is, I guess, a £250 <laughs> each. Yes. Because he didn't know that they were the suitors. He did not know they were the suitors. And he was like, I refuse to pay these settlements to to have you guys get married. So, you know, without my settlements, you can't get married. But because of Maggie's sneaky little plan, he ends up paying $500 to them, which they split two fifty each, two fifty pounds. Sorry, <laughs> each to two hundred fifty pounds each to each couple, which is the settlement, so that they can go forward and get married. So he was. But, you know, isn't isn't a, isn't a small sum in eighteen eighty? You know, no. So by any stretch, no five hundred pounds is a lot. So, so a lot. Uh, at that time. So um, he is. He does realize he's been diddled. I believe you just say diddled as well. I've been diddled. I love that. I love the word diddled. Yeah. It sounds so dodgy. It sounds such a shady word. And I believe I went back and read the Wikipedia because I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. And when it got to that part, it did say he realizes he's been diddled. And it's like in quotes. Diddled. So that Wikipedia summary does all. I love it. Diddled. I love it. Um, this is what and... I mean. It balances the comedy so well. Yes. In what could be a really kind of hard, it could be a hard drama if it wanted to be. Yes. But the fact it isn't just makes it so much more entertaining. The fact it is just splashed with comedy throughout. Yes. And it's just great. a little bit of absurdity, a little bit of nonsense. Like the, the weird hallucinations that Charles Lawton has when he wakes up and discovers that he's quite ill from alcoholism. Yes. Like in the scene following the this whole after the wedding. It's really something you don't expect to see in this movie. No, like, it's, it's a very interesting choice that you do not expect at all. Um, but I guess they really wanted to illustrate the alcoholism because then that plays in later where now um, the doctors diagnosed him with alcoholism and one of the doctors now needs to come and stay and take care of him. And of course, the younger ones are definitely not wanting to do it. Um, so it kind of falls on Maggie. So that kind of... I liked how the doctor was ridiculously Scottish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've seen that guy in a lot of movies. I don't know his name, unfortunately. 
but you will see him pop up every now and again in a movie and you will recognize his voice yes and his incredible (laughs) scottishness um so um uh after sorry (laughs) we should also we should also bring up the quite hilarious but also really sweet and impactful drawn out wedding night yes um so after the dinner um uh willie is very nervous for the guests to leave <laughs> yes <laughs> he's like just and stay and, you know he's having this anxiety um, he doesn't want to go forth with his wedding night does he willie yeah, he's, he's just like i don't know what to do and you know <laughs> um so ultimately All the guests do leave very subtle She's like, oh, I'll be in here, you know, so just come in when you're ready to come to bed. And so he's like out there. He's just very slowly changing into, you know, his pajamas and taking his time. And then the door swings open and he hesitantly goes in there. Um, And then the next day you see him just like walking around smiling and using confidence yes, and just finding moments to wrap his arms around maggie and it's very sweet so you know everything went well and then right kind of at the same moment somebody comes in and buys some laces and like that's when they have their big first sale of their little business and so it's a very big moment they had their big wedding night which was very special and then they make their first business sale as you know this new business and so it's a very happy moment that really kind of brings them together even more. Um, and as they kind of get build... over how well John Mills plays the nervousness. Yes, he does. And so after they kind of have this big moment, they kind of look at each other and Willie immediately gets back to work. He sits down and he's smiling and he's starting to like start to make, you know, some shoes. And so then you see his confidence growing in this business, in his marriage and everything. Um, and then, uh, you know, we see him come in on New Year's and he's wearing this suit and he's looking great and he's speaking better. And he's, you know, yeah. he he tells her that we've I've paid back the loan to the to that woman and now we fully own our own business. Um, even paid her with interest. And, you know, so I was very fearful in this moment because I was enjoying the growth of their romance and their relationship and everything with them. Um, in this moment, I thought they were kind of trying to set something up, and I got very scared that uh, when he well, comes is, to this is when Charles Lawton has been diagnosed with these alcoholism. Yes, quite it, you know. Hobson's ill at this point. Yes, and their shoe shop in this past year that has passed has been growing, kind of stealing a lot of Hobson's yes. business away. So they are like the hot new shoe maker shop, and. Um, in this moment, he tells her that he's gone, he's paid off the loan with interest, and now they fully own their business. It's Willie's name on the sign, all of this thing. And then um, Maggie starts to kind of have this feeling like she's not a part of it, that she, you know, while I I am so happy that it's your name on there because you're the one doing this amazing work, um, I kind of wanted to have a small piece of that pie as well. And he kind of convinces her that no you are a hundred you know 50 percent partner with me this is our business i wouldn't have had any of this without you but i was scared that they were setting up maggie's doubts as him kind of 
you know, she's teaching him, you know, how to read better, to talk better, business better, all of these things to be more confident man and, and husband and all of these things that he was going to get kind of too big for his britches and leave her. So I got very scared that like, you, you know, should have had more faith in Will Mossop. He's the sweetest I, man. I, I was, I was getting very scared just because it's like, why would they throw this scene in here of Maggie being worried about having a piece of this pie and having a stake in this business. Why would they have this scene of Maggie being so scared of this if something wasn't going to come of it? So I was just getting very oh. scared that Willie was going to get too big for his his little britches and leave her and kick her out of the business and become like this big man in town. And I was so scared. <laughs> I think this is Maggie being one step ahead of everybody again, though. Because I think at this point, and it becomes a bit more obvious later on in this kind of final scene that she's playing to Willie and getting him to say certain things in retaliation to her almost to and to, maybe to, to consider to benefit to, them and to consider a thought that maybe he hadn't considered that you know uh, exactly if, if I'm building more confidence in myself. I need to make sure that Maggie also still feels secure in this relationship, in this partnership. And maybe he was not thinking of that. And maybe that was Maggie putting that in his mind subtly so that he would know, okay, this is something I do have to consider. I don't want Maggie to feel this way. It's not something I even considered, but now that she's telling me this, it's now something I can put in my thought of when, you know, I'm making plans and thinking that I do need to consider Maggie needs to feel a part of this because this wouldn't even be a thing without her. Well, whether it's even that, because that this whole conversation is taking place in front of Charles Lawton as well, isn't it? So well, Charles no, I mean, when, when he first comes home on New Year's and is talking to her about... Um, oh, I'm buying out. Yeah. After I'm no, sorry. When he's he he's he's coming to her and telling her he bought out uh, their business. Yes, and now oh, they I'm own sorry, it. They yeah. fully own it on New Year's. Maggie does seem fearful that, like you know, yes, she yes. has no stake in it, and that's where I got worried. That uh, are they setting up I this see. whole storyline where Willie is going to think he's like the hot stuff in the town? He's going to leave her and all of this. So I got very scared. Um, but yes, ultimately, you know, nothing really comes of that. It's just her kind of voicing concerns and him, you know, telling her, no, it's going it's, to be okay. It's, like, it's reassuring. I, I, it's he reassuring, reassures her that, no, he, he completely understands they would have nothing without her, that she is the soul of this whole kind of situation. Um, and then it does Which come again out that... speaks to just Willie's good heart. Good, yes. So just even that whole conversation had me a little bit scared um that okay. they were going that something terrible was going to come later that he was going to just leave her and and you know take over the business and be a terrible person in the end or you know grow to know his worth and forget about maggie so that had me a little okay. bit scared um so the, yes uh charles lawton is diagnosed with alcoholism it, it's up to the daughters to decide who's going to care for him no, nobody really wants the job so they do kind of put it on maggie as the oldest and the one who kind of did care for him the most like take care of him you know on his drunken nights and get him to bed and all of those things um as we so, see in the very first scene of the movie yes so then it kind of comes to a plan of well let's kind of maybe merge our businesses and, you know, then I will be here to take care of you as well. But, um, you know, now Willie kind of knowing his worth and her kind of convincing him, no, you need to uh, be 
confident about what you can do. If we're going to join him in this business, we need to be, you, you know, you need to be 50-50 partners. My father will be a silent partner and your name will come first on the marquee because you are the one who's doing all this amazing work. Um, Which gives Charles Lawton another opportunity to get in a huff and puff about <laughs> Yes, yeah. So he does not really care for this plan. He is not really on board for it. It takes him some convincing. Uh, it takes Willie. We do see Willie being very confident in delivering this plan, delivering this message. You know, we see kind of his fear when he's with Maggie, like, I don't know. Uh, like he was this, the old master. This is what I was saying and, before. Uh... <laughs> this is what I was saying before about kind of Maggie's being one step ahead in this situation and kind of you know I I, I don't know what leading him to say certain things the right kind of things in the right kind of ways with what she is saying it appears from the outside to be a back and forth conversation yeah but you know full well from maggie's side this this might as well be rehearsed yeah you know and we've this... seen him and i think we've already seen a preview of maggie giving him words and giving him a speech yeah. and giving him a thing to say. And the first time we see him do it, it's very shaky and obviously rehearsed. But this time, you know, it's kind of happened again, but he is much more kind of confident in it. And well, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily rehearsed this time, is it? It's no, just kind but of she like... kind of tells him, this is what you're going to do. This is what we need to do. You need to deliver this message. And yeah, you know, kind of being more in a mindset of knowing his worth and knowing what he can do and knowing he has somebody who's going to support him hundred percent and make him feel confident. He yeah. can, he can say those things that Maggie is kind of telling him he needs to say and believe them himself. So it's not yeah. it's less of kind of a puppet act as it kind of was earlier and more of her giving him the words, him believing them and being able to deliver them effectively at the end. Yeah. So it is a great it's kind of arc for his character, for sure. It's a genuine development of the the love in their relationship. They yes. have changed each other for the better. And the partnership in their relationship as well. Exactly. It just... And it... That's kind of how the movie ends. Yes. It, um, it ends so... <laughs> basically with Hobson, you know, Charles Horton... <laughs> reluctantly accepting this halfway situation because he's been a moron for his entire life and you know his his daughter has finally kind of won over him or not won over him i suppose almost beat him <laughs> yes you know kind of uh, which he obviously never thought was possible it's kind of the new in a way, it's in a way, in a way, in a little bit of a way, is it not progression defying tradition? Yes, I think so. Is that is that not an element of this whole movie? I think it is kind of the, the running kind of core theme of this whole story. Yeah. Um, so yes, he does really reluctantly. Like. Yeah, he does reluctantly go with their plan. Um, and then there's a very sweet moment of, you know, now that we're kind of riding high and we have now this successful business, we're going to run here and we've kind of won the day. Um, you know, we've defied all expectations. 
we're successful, we're happy, everything's great. I want to buy you a beautiful ring and get rid of this sad little brass ring. And she tells him, no, I want to keep it. This is the ring you put on my finger. And, you know, whenever we feel like we are, we're both a little too big for our britches, we can look down at this ring and remember our humble beginnings. And that's kind of because where it he, ends. He, You know, at this point, Willie's got significant goals of not just having a boot shop on Chapel Street in Salford, but going into St. Anne's Square in Manchester. Yes, so he has big dreams. Which is another place you've actually been, Janine, so... Yes. Um, And I always walk through St. Anne's Square in Manchester, like every time I go into Manchester City (laughs) Centre. Oh. So, so yes, just very, very great kind of ending... Uh, we see this man who had no ambitions, you know, being full of dreams and big plans and being in love. And um, this woman who kind of was seen to be past her prime and not really, you know, somebody who could could have that life, you know, making her dream kind of come true for herself and really defying societal expectations. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that that was ultimately kind of the... the um, end of this film and uh like in a time where you know men are kind of the dominant thing while maggie does kind of let willie be that you know play that role we also see her kind of having her own strength and smarts and kind of taking things into her own hands in a very independent strong way so while we do we do get kind of both sides of the societal dynamics of the 50s as well as a woman being very confident and strong so i like that we got to see both sides of that. Can't say it better than that. I just like how the movie called Hobson's Choice ends with Hobson actually making a choice that makes sense for the first time in his life. Yes. You know, he's like, he's reluctant to actually make the one choice that actually is sensible (laughs) as opposed to all the other choices he makes in the movie that are damaging. Yes. So, yes. Thank you so much for sharing this movie with me. I really enjoyed it. Some great comedies, some great real kind of build of romance, you know, because we always get this very fast love that happens in kinds of movies like this. Um, So, yeah, the growth of it really felt natural and sweet. Um, and you were really kind of in it with these characters. Uh, Very great performances, much so. Really funny. Um, and, yeah, just really, really enjoyed this film. I'm very glad you did, (laughs) because clearly it is a movie that I feel close to. Yes. In more than than one way, many ways, many ways. But I really like Hobson's Choice a lot. Um, It's well up there on my top-tier David Lean movies. Like, well on the top-tier for David Lean movies, 100%. Yeah. Helps by the fact that, you know, it's set around here. And I'm very familiar with it in that way. But it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Charles Lawton's great again. Like he's very similar to how he is in Witness for the Prosecution, being the fact that he's balancing the dramatic and the comedy really yes. well. Although the comedy in Hobson's choice is a little bit more silly than than kind of witty banter that it is in Witness for the Prosecution. That's the difference there between a Billy Wilder script and a, you know, British David David Lean's, (laughs) or half David Lean script. 
Yes. Um, I suppose. But Brenda DeBanzi's great as Maggie. John Mills is great as Willie. Willie, yeah. You really just... It's an excellent, excellent movie. Yes, I really, it really enjoyed is. it. I implore people to go and watch Hobson's Choice. But we've gone a quite we've gone quite a long time we there, Janine. We have a lot to say. An episode of the main <laughs> show. That's always a good sign, I think. Yes. Always a very good sign. Episode 172. This has been of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, Janine. We have been talking Hobson's Choice from 1954. But it is not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, is it? It is not. And we also have Machine Mondays, every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown. And of course, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where I force you to watch things you haven't seen. But I'm really excited about this series. Uh, I, you know, I think we were, I was originally going to go with something more generic, you know, just kind of some really silly rom-coms with silly premises. Yeah. And then, you know... I thought it's been a long time coming that we actually really should talk about some LGBTQ films. So I'm really excited that we're going to be covering some of those uh, this month on Morgan Hasn't Seen. Yes, we started that this week with the movie Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Yes, amazing title. Um, (laughs) Silly title. Great movie. Silly title. (laughs) Um, that was this Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find the feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, and everywhere else you may find your podcasts. I've already talked about the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon, but we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for you to go and like and subscribe and do your notification bells on and all that wonderful stuff. Go and check out what we have going on over there. You can find the show on Twitter and It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at the Purple Dawn. All your wonderful stuff is where. You can find me at Janine DeBean underscore on Twitter, Janine DeBean on Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my Tee Public shop at G9Design. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this such very fun. That didn't even make any sense, but it was such very fun <laughs> episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. I think there's only one thing left to do. Janine... I want your best Solfordian accent. Oh no, please. oh no. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Three, two, one.